This morning is um, uh, it's going to come up there in a moment, as if by magic. Um, you are evidence of grace this morning. We heard um, Yemi just pray it out. Um, you are evidence of grace this morning. You are uh, a display of the glory of God, like those diamonds in the hidden in the jar. And my next part of my title is so live like it. So, so come on, live like it. And I speak mainly to myself when I add the bracket in, you, c- come on, live like it, you idiot. Live like it, you, we've been watching a programme that's mentioned in Pillock quite a lot. So live like it, you Pillock, you idiot, come on, live in the good of these things that God has done for you. You are evidence of grace, so come on, live like it, live in the good of it. And one of my favourite teachers over the years is a guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones and he um, has spoken through the um, last century, the 40s, 50s and he'd often use this phrase that we listen to ourselves more than we speak to ourselves and we we should be speaking to ourselves rather than listening to ourselves. So you wake up in the morning and yourself says, I don't want to get up. It is too dark to come and pray, or it's too, it's, it's too dark to do these things. That's what yourself says to you. Yourself says to you, you're a bit worthless, aren't you? You remember all these things that you did that were not very godly, and we are listening to ourselves rather than speaking to ourselves. You are a child of God. You are right before Christ. They're the things that we need to be speaking to ourselves and then living in the good of. So we're really basing ourselves in verse 23 of Acts 11, and there's kind of three elements to it, Um, and it says, it's basically when Barnabas arrives at this church, and it says, he saw the grace of God, and I believe this morning, some of them in this room need to see and be reminded of the evidence of the grace of God in our lives. There's some of us who need to be reminded of the next part. So um, Barnabas exhorted them to remain faithful. So some of us in this room need to be reminded, you just need, you need to keep going. You need to keep living in the good of these things. Remain faithful. And some of us need to be reminded we have a purpose in this. So for some of us, we can feel maybe we've lost, what is the point of me actually being here And there's a losing of purpose in it. And I believe God wants to just emphasise those three things um, for different ones of us, really. Evidence of grace, a reminder to remain faithful, a reminder of a steadfast purpose. And we've really felt this series is is there is a prophetic word over us as a church that is a kind of parallel that we are a parallel to this church in Antioch. Um, I wonder if we can have the Antioch slides up. I've been researching a little bit of history about this. Can you just go to the next one, actually? Um, So this is a kind of, again, map like James showed the other week. Antioch sits as a kind of gateway between east and west as a city. It's like um, leads in from, as I say, connects east and west, a really important port. It's talked about as being Rome's third city. 
And as you can see from the little kind of map there, it's got this river running through it, and we can you know, liken it to something like the Thames. Um, and this river is all about trade and kind of travel. It's a bustling city like that. Um, one book talks about a mixture of splendor and poverty in Antioch, the city that it's got. Um, it's, it's got a, a, a kind of a, a, um, a part of Greek civilization about it, but it's also got Roman peace about it. So it's, it's this city that is this combination of these ancient cultures, which are the most influential in the area. It's an it's a amazing town planning and architecture example. And um, just to, if you flick back to the other slide, we've got the Palace of the Imperial Legate. Okay, whatever that is. But it's uh, this this palace at the top here. It's like this kind of very royal, very regal, um, kind of involved in the kind of military nature of it. And at the bottom, we've got uh, Ben-Hur. Okay, if any of you have sat through the three hours, four hours of Ben-Hur, that's that's the kind of, the film Ben-Hur is sort of based on Antioch's circus, the circus of Antioch. It's this Roman hippodrome used for chariot racing. It's kind of modelled on the Colosseum in Rome, and it holds 80,000 people, okay, all crammed in there, doing their Roman circus thing for all the glory and terrifying um, inhumanity of a Roman circus. So on the, into this city comes... A bunch of believers, just like us. So we can feel a bit of that parallel, that we sit on the edge of our own kind of Antioch. We sit on the edge of splendour and poverty. We sit where there's broad palisades and palaces and stadiums very close to us, where there is wit and humour like there was in Antioch, and an excess, and they were talked about the Antioch people of having a, a sex life of which even ancient Rome rated excessive. And again, we sit on the edge of a city where we have those kinds of um, dynamics going on. There's enormous statues in Antioch. In the same way we was at the O2 last night, we have our own statues. We have our own billboards advertising all kinds of variety of human life. The trees of Hyde Park and the temples of our Apple stores and all kinds of people from in, in Antioch, a human, one, one quote is a human flotsam of escaped slaves, criminals and debtors and other who sought sanctuary. So in the same way, we can feel we're on the edge of our own Antioch. Escaped slaves, criminals, debtors, and all the variety of human life. And we can feel what on earth can we do on the edge of this city. And the believers that came together, they were scattered because of the stoning of Stephen. They're brought, um, they're scattered, they're persecuted, and they come to this, this city of Antioch. Just a small bunch of believers, and they begin talking the gospel to those people around them. And they find that not just Jews are becoming Christians, but actually Gentiles are also becoming Christians. And they find there's more and more people here. This thing is growing. 
And so Barnabas is kind of commissioned to go and have a look and see what's going on. And he walks in to a room, and you imagine, I can imagine, he walks into somewhere like this and says, is the grace of God here? Is there evidence of the grace of God? Let's have a little look at Acts 11. And now we've got that context again. It says in verse 19, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. So they were first of all to Jews. But some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, um, who came on to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus, so non-Jews. And the hand of the Lord was with them And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Antioch, where Barnabas was. So they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great number of people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Interesting how the name of Antioch has outlived the city and is more well known for the church. Isn't that amazing thing? That Antioch, you can Google it and you, you, know, you still come up with all the Antioch stuff, but actually the fact of the church being in Antioch and being known has actually outlived the history of the city. So this small group of believers who were just kind of, they're almost without a leader, they actually begin to impact this whole place and this whole area. And I wonder what Barnabas actually saw. I wonder what Barnabas would see if he walked in to our room today. Imagine, he's he's there at the back, Barnabas walks in, and he says, ah, hello, hello, Carlos, nice to see you. And he comes and shakes hands. He says, hello, hello there, I I, I remember, yeah, Daniel, isn't it? Yeah, Uh, it's Rob, yeah, hello, Rob, nice to meet you. I'm going to have a bit of a coffee with you. Is the grace of God evident amongst you? Is the grace of God here and you, you might be new to new community here, first few weeks that you've been coming. You might ask the same question. How is the grace of God evident here? Is this actually true? I mean, they look, all look very friendly and very nice, but are they just all kind of faking it a bit? Uh, or you might, you might be a first-timer, you might be an old-timer. Okay, so you might have been here for, you know, a few years, 30 years. And just remind, is it all true? Is this the grace of, what is the evidence of the grace of God? And it's really important that we remember evidence of the grace of God. Because this is the gospel we believe, that we are sinners, we're selfish and without hope and without God. Then God makes a way to connect with him through the cross. We've now got relationship with God and we work it out through church life. What's the evidence? How do you know you're actually saved? That it's actually true? Number one, you and those, those people in Antioch and you have a God story. A moment where God 
broke into your life. We're going to um, stop and have communion in a moment. I'm just going to do it in, in the middle of my talk. And so we're just going to break up in a minute. And I want you to just be thinking in the next few moments, what is your God story moment? And I want you to share it with just some others around you in a moment. Um, that it, imagine it was a, a gallery, this room was a gallery, and there was pictures all around the walls of our stories, uh, paintings, if you like, each one displaying the grace of God, evidence of the grace of God, evidence of where God broke into your life. For, for the apostle Peter, it might be called, um, he cooked me breakfast, okay, where Peter kind of um, uh, finds Jesus cooking him fish and saying, Peter, come back to me. That's Peter's moment. For Paul, I'm sure it would be something like the, the, the light on the road. You know, he's on the road to Damascus and he's, this light comes and he's, he becomes a Christian. He would call it that. For me, uh, it would be called the dusty tent meeting, probably. I was in Hastings. A, the picture would be there's a little boy sitting on his mum's lap and he's putting his hand up and saying, yes, I want to become a Christian. Didn't really know the full impact of it, but that would be my picture of grace. The dusty tent meeting. I think Melinda's would be when you're 13, probably, wouldn't it? You're sort of a 13 year old. When her mum says, You don't have to come to church, you can come if you want to now. And it's like Melinda's, Yeah, I'll come to church. <laughs> I think that, that would be her moment of grace. Yeah, I, this is real for me. What is it for you? Is it a walk, a particular you know, street or hill or walk that you had or an alpha table moment that you would sit across from someone and you're talking? What would your picture look like? Okay, So I'm going to get you to just share that in a few moments, just as we break bread and just rejoicing in the evidence of the grace of God that we've got in this room, pictures of grace all over. I can see your faces. I can think. I, can, I know there is stories of grace where God got you. And I just want to allude back um, to what Yemi said earlier about it's God that initiates this. If our evidence for this is just built on ourselves, pretty shaky ground. But actually, this is of God's doing and God's doing alone. Again, my, uh, my favourite preacher guy, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he says, the Bible is God's book. It is a revelation of God and our thinking must start with God. Much of the trouble in the church today is the fact that we're so subjective, so interested in ourselves, so egocentric, and this is the error of our time. Having forgotten God, we're so interested in ourselves, we become miserable and wretched and spend our time in shallows and miseries. And the message of the Bible is to bring us back to God. That it starts with God. Your God story starts with God getting you. Even though I, I put my hand up and said, yes, I want to become a Christian, I can look back and see it's God's initiating. It's of God's doing that I've been pulled into this kingdom, the kingdom of God. And therefore, it's of God's initiating that I carry on in this Christian life. It's of God, all of God. And I can see that I've got a God story, but I've also got a new nature. Again, as was read out today in, in 2 Corinthians, it says, 
if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. This is how I know, this is the evidence of the grace of God. I don't want to do wrong stuff. I I still end up doing it every now and then, but I don't want to. When I'm not a Christian, that tension isn't there. I'll just do wrong stuff, and it's kind of selfish stuff. And it, you know, if it, it, obviously if it hurts other people around me, that's an issue. But actually, pleasing myself is not, I don't see that as a problem. Whereas now, I'm inclined to please God. And it's like when you go to Lidl and you get that shopping trolley that's got a gurney wheel and it always leans, as you push it, it leans towards the Tower of Baked Beans or the, you know, or the, or the, or the kind of all, all the beers or whatever. You're pushing it and it's leaning that way. It's inclined towards that direction. And so when we weren't a Christian, we were inclined towards selfishness. That is our default kind of leaning towards unrighteousness, of pleasing ourselves, of building our own empire, of you know, controlling behaviour, bullying um, behaviour. And there was, didn't really see much of a problem with that. We were in sync with our, ourselves. And now, with our new nature, we are inclined to the things of God. To, this, to spiritual things. There's obviously things that stop us from doing them, but actually, strip it all away, yes, when, once I think God got me, we're inclined to these things, like that shopping trolley with a, a gurney wheel. We've, we've got a new nature that inclines us to God. And that means we desire certain godly things. You actually, do you remember, when you first come a Christian, you actually, just, you actually wanted to pray, You actually wanted to live in the good of a relationship with God. It wasn't just a quick prayer during your exams or your driving test. It was actually wanting to spend time with God in prayer. That the Bible became from this strange kind of bunch of words, book that you didn't quite understand, became something that you wanted to read. You've got this inclination towards it. And um, you find you want to spend time, like songs like we're singing of devotion this morning. You actually want to spend time with Jesus. Okay, there's lots of things that stop us from doing that, and we can get, we can, we need to remain faithful. But actually, you have an inclination towards it in your own nature. Okay, with this new nature, and there's this thing called church that you kind of, you kind of want to be a part of. You, you're inclined to spend time with these, as Dio said, peculiar people. Okay? You're inclined to the, towards these peculiar people, and you kind of can't escape from it, much as you might want to. You actually, I'm inclined to these things. God has put something new, a new nature in me. And then, this is evidence of grace, and then the, fu- the fruits of the Spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. We actually find these things growing in us. That you can actually, let's take joy, that you find you can actually rejoice in sufferings. You can actually have joy in the worst of circumstances. If you're not a Christian, it's, it, you can't do that. You don't find joy in the suffering. You find you can be patient. It's still a battle, but yeah, I'm inclined towards patient. And when I'm not patient, I feel bad about it. Again, when you're not a Christian, you you don't feel those same tensions. You're inclined to these things. We've got a God story. 
We've got a new nature. We've got desire for the things of God. We've got desire for fruits of the Spirit. So I want us to just take a moment just to share and be thankful to God for what he's done in our lives, what he's done in you. There's a God story in you. If you don't feel like you've got that, you're welcome just to come and be amongst us and talk to people, hear those God stories amongst us. We're going to take a moment then just to have um, our um, bread and wine. And uh, we've got a bit of a new way of doing this. Um, We've actually got some little shot glasses. Um, And so what I'd love to do is for us to have just a bit of time in twos and threes where um, we will we'll just um, we'll, we'll do, we'll have this uh, bread and wine. So if one person from the little group could go and um, collect um, the things, um, so come and bring a few of the shot glasses over to your two and three, and then probably return to go and get the bread and bring it over. Uh, it could be a bit bumpy, and that's fine. <laughs> Um, and we're going to spend just the next um, five or ten minutes with some uh, Wonder Sam. We can have some nice background music on while we do this. Um, and uh, I'm really, I want you to share what is your picture of your God story in this time. Okay? Does that explain that enough? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, just to make it clear, it's grape juice that we're drinking, um, not wine. Great. Okay.
you haven't started praying now, I'd like to encourage you just to pray together, um, just as we draw this bit in. together a few more seconds just to wrap up great if I can draw us uh, back together again that's great man alive that's great let's just pray shall we just to thank God for each other God we don't want to take this moment for granted God that you would impact our lives in this way when we're without hope and without God in the world and all the stories that we've just shared and all these faces we have in front of us and next to us and around us. We want to value this moment, God, and say we are so grateful for the God stories, the faithfulness of you over the years, the faithfulness, the things that you've brought us through, the beginnings of Christian journeys and the ends of Christian journeys that are represented in this room. And we want to say thank you for each other, We are gathered around the cross right now and say you are are our salvation. You are, it's the blood of Jesus, it's the body of Jesus broken for us, bled for us so that we can come and have a relationship with you and enter in to all these relationships with each other. God, and we want to thank you for what is represented here. In your name, Lord, amen. It's a really powerful thing, a demonstration, representation of what we are as a church here together. And as we think about being an Antioch church, 
Um, imagine Barnabas wandering into the Antioch church, wandering into this and saying, the grace of God, I see it amongst you. It's the, the fact that you're building friendship together, the fact that you're desiring Jesus as we did in our worship, the fact that you're building friendships, the fact that there is across cultures, there is friendship being built, there is accountability, there is a living for Jesus being demonstrated here is evidence of the grace of God. So you know the next thing Barnabas says? He says, so remain faithful. He exhorted them to remain faithful. Do you know what that implies? It's possible not to. We need to be encouraged to remain faithful because it's possible that we cannot remain faithful. It's possible for us not to live in the good of it. And the Bible is full of these um, uh, examples of what theologians call justification and sanctification. So this verse, I wonder if yeah, it's still up there, this verse is actually an example of it. You've got the grace of God that is evidence and upon us, and then we've got the encouragement to live in the good of it. And it's all over the place. Even in our worship songs, it's there. We were singing the house of the Lord the other week. We, are the be- we were the beggars, now we're royalty. And then, so this is what's happened to us. We were beggars, now we're royalty. And then it says, so come on, let's praise in the house of the Lord. Because it's possible for us to, you know, to kind of forget about that. We need to live in the good. We need to rejoice and sing out because of the good of what has, has, has been here. We did it again this morning, that, that, whole, that hymn that we started with, you know, the King of Kings, the story of what God has done. And then the, the, um, the chorus is so praise the Father, praise the Son. And it's come on, live in the good of it. In the book of Romans, we have Romans 5, which talks about, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we've got peace with God. And so there, there we have it again. The grace of God is on you. You've been justified. You've got peace with God, just like you are. You don't have to do anything to put you into that place. You have peace with God by believing in Jesus. Peace with God. Okay, so if that's the case, can we sin? And it's still all right. And Paul anticipates this. So in Romans 6, he says, so what should we say? So should we carry on sinning? so that grace might increase. And he says, of course, Gondaya, he says, <laughs> he says, of course not. Of course not. In the old, there's an English translation that says, what a ghastly thought. <laughs> okay, very English way of putting it. What, what a ghastly thought. But actually to, to say, we're going to carry on sinning, so grace might increase, that's totally not missing it. That's totally missing it. That's totally misunderstanding the point of grace. The grace of God has come to you. And so this is the phrase for part two of my talk. You ready? You don't have to. You get to. You don't have to. You get to. So you don't have, you don't have to be righteous all the time. You get to. You are empowered so that you can. You don't have to. You don't. You don't. You don't have to um, uh, say no to sin. That's a weird thing, isn't it? You don't. Okay. So we, we're saved. We're justified. You don't have to say no to sin. 
You get to say no to sin. To carry on sinning is to completely misunderstand the point of your salvation. You can, you, so you, we need to live in the good of it. You don't have to prove anything. So in your family life, you don't have to prove you're going to be a great dad or a great husband, a great wife or a great brother or sister. You don't have to prove it to just prove you're, you know, sort of you're a Christian or whatever. You don't have to do any of that. But we get to. You are in power. Why would you not want to? Live in the good of what God has done. You are empowered to live the sanctified life. You don't, you're not trying to earn something at work to be a good Christian, to show that I'm a good Christian person. You're, you don't have to earn that. You get to do it. You get to be a good employer or a good employee. No longer demonstrating attributes that are not godly but you are able to in God be a great example for these things and it's not like a spiritual we're playing a spiritual game of snakes and ladders that you know we're trying to we're trying to go up all these ladders and these good things in our Christian life and then we hit a snake we blow it and now we go again but we can often think of our Christian life like that how you know how how, how was your week oh it was really bad I blew it and I've gone down the snake. So that when we come to say, let's come and worship God, oh, I feel terrible, I'm wretched, I'm miserable, you don't know what I've done this week. If you repent, turn to him, then as Romans 5 says, you are justified. You stand before God righteous. We are not playing a game of spiritual snakes and ladders. The snakes were defeated. Well, the snake is defeated. Now, there's only ladders, and actually, it's only by grace you can go up the ladder anyways. Actually, not really the right illustration, is it? You're not climbing up to prove your salvation. It's like we're in a spiral of godliness, of sanctification, of coming up to the things of God, from glory to glory, as Wiley prayed this morning in our prayer meeting. We're walking from glory to glory. We are demonstrating the evidence of the grace of God by spiraling up glory to glory. And, and in this life, we'll hit obstacles. We hit various temptations or various parts of suffering. And as we hit them, as we learn how to respond to them with sanctification in a godly way, we actually defeat these things and build in habits of resisting temptation. So we become from glory to glory, we become more like Jesus. And the danger is that some of us just go around this same circle in our Christian lives, that we can be a 30-year-old Christian, but actually only a one-year-old Christian, because we don't respond to the things of God, and that actually we're just kind of living the spiral or this circular Christian life and we don't actually move on. We need to respond to the means of grace that he's given us to move on in our Christian life. And so in all these things, you don't have to, but you get to. You get to live in the good of it. As so as, as Barnabas says, for some of us, we need to hear, remain faithful. Keep going. 
for some community leaders here who can feel, oh, this is such a hard going, remain faithful. For some of us who've been in this a long time, remain faithful. And so let's bring this phrase into church life. You don't have to, you get to. For example, things, things like serving. You don't have to serve. Actually, it's just go for attending. You don't have to come to church. Your salvation is not dependent on you being here. But why wouldn't you want to? You get to be alongside other believers who will encourage you in your Christian walk for you to grow in that spiral of that Christian life. If you're not here, if you decide to, I don't need church, you don't grow in God in that same way. Okay? And then we can just attend. You can keep people at arm's length still. And so you don't have to be part of a community. Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to in your Christian life? There's people there who can inspire you to godliness. And potentially, you're just going to go around the same circle without each other. And, and as I, even as I say those phrases, I say, you know, uh, as I say, uh, you know, why wouldn't you go to a community? You say, you, you, I can feel myself or even you saying, yep, here's ten reasons. Okay, there's lots. That, here's, here's my reasons for that. Um, and, and actually, what happens in our communities if we live alongside people who are not like us and can actually be quite a pain to us? And it's like sandpaper or emery cloth or a file. Um, and again, that diamonds picture earlier or iron sharpens iron picture. That actually, as we get closer to other people, we find the tensions. If you live your Christian life kind of independently and just attending our church or even not going to church at all, it's, it's, you know, it's, there's a, yeah, a kind of dullness to it, but it's, it's okay. You don't get many tensions. As you start to get close to people, oh man, you find they wind you up. <laughs> As we start to get close, we find the edges. I find the sandpaper of that person, that really annoyed me tonight. And they're starting to rub my edges. Do you know what I'm being, you know what's happening? I'm being shaped. I'm being shaped by God. And it's part of my upward spiral. So if you're not part of that, why wouldn't you want to be? Why, if you're not part of relationships, closer relationships in the church, where you can genuinely ask people and say to people, I'm really struggling with this. Please, can you help me? Again, some of us just need to hear that. Just whatever way that works for you, go find someone and just open yourself a bit and say, I'm struggling with this. And it might be you find that sandpaper, you know, rubbing you up the wrong way, that, that kind of filing you off. Um, but that's part of us being shaped by God and allowing ourselves to, to be shaped. And we're going to speak on giving in a couple of weeks' time. Why wouldn't you want to give? You don't have to. You don't have to give to this church at all. But you get to. We get to give. We're involved in all kinds of um, uh, projects and things as a team that we're praying into. What's right, God? What do you want to lead us into? 
There's things going on. In, uh, there's a, we're talking about a, uh, a church plant in New Haven of partnering there. We, um, we're visiting the Netherlands in the summer and really looking to where that's developing. And there's contacts with Zimbabwe. There's um, all, all our, our play cafes really taking off. There's things about the front of this building. How can we change all these things? What can we do? And you, we can be part of giving to the Antioch Church, the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God develop on the edge of our big old city. At seeing the kingdom of God develop in these areas of Black Fen and Sikup and Mottenham and Wellin and um, all the surrounding areas. And globally as well. Why, why wouldn't you want to be part of that? Why wouldn't you want to give to, to what's going on here? If, you, if we don't, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fine, you don't have to, but you end up with a stagnant pool of money rather than a fast-flowing river. Money coming in, money going out for the kingdom of God. And I sit on my grave, on my deathbed, and say, I was part of the kingdom of God growing in this area. Why wouldn't you want to be part of it? Our prayer weeks. Why wouldn't you want to be there? Why wouldn't, <laughs> why wouldn't on a Friday night I want to go out at 10 o'clock and pray for four hours? Okay, on Friday night at 8 o'clock, I could have told you five reasons why. Our Friday nights don't look like that. They look like we have some cocktails, we have a play some games, and I'm normally asleep by 10 o'clock. And uh, Dio says, come to the night of prayer. Okay, but when we get there and we walk in, that is not how I spend my Friday nights. We walk in and... I, over the next four hours, I learn a little more about prayer from these guys. I'm alongside people who are further than me in prayer. And I, at the end of it, as I walk out at one or 12 o'clock, uh, you know, I'm like, why wouldn't I want to be there next time? Okay, it's a date in my prayer week diary now. And whatever that is for you, you don't have to be there. You there's no obligation. There's no earning of anything if you're there or if you're not there. Why wouldn't you want to be? Why wouldn't you want to be worshipping with the people of God? Why wouldn't you want to be here on time, on a Sunday morning? Why wouldn't you want to come um, and be there as soon as that first chord plays? Why wouldn't you want to be here at the start of our meeting on, on time? I really do. We do want to challenge you. Um, to, to, it makes a big difference to those of us leading here, those of us leading on, on the floor, just to see a room that is full and kind of ready to go. You don't have to. You can still keep getting here late if you want to. But why would, why, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to be with the saints of God, worshipping him right from the start? And I can, you know, like, like me, I'm, there's lots going through my mind of why... I don't do those things. And it's all about, this is the, you are evidence of grace, so come on, live like it, you idiot, talking to myself, come on, live in the good of it. My dad said over the breakfast table a couple of days ago, we can fall and do daft things, and we can slip up and sin, but it doesn't change you from a, goat, from a sheep back to a goat again, it just makes you a silly sheep. In the kingdom of God, you become, when you're a sheep, when you're in the kingdom of God, you're a sheep. When you do wrong stuff, it doesn't make you the goat again. You're just a bit daft as a sheep. And have you ever, have you ever seen sheep close up? Oh man, they are daft. And that's what we're likened to. And we can, we can actually 
We need to pull ourselves into the things of God and by being around others, they help us being pulled into the things of God. So just to take that phrase, whatever that means for you, you don't have to, you get to. Let the grace of God inspire you again and motivate you to live in the good things of God. Let's uh, stand up, shall we? <coughs> My time's done, so we won't, uh, we won't um, uh, respond in any other way just by praying. But again, I just, wanna, just want you to feel this moment. God saying, you are like the Antioch church. There's a parallel upon you. There's a, a new... Uh, as an expression of church life here that is worked out locally and you being in the game God says I want you in, in this I want you in this there's people here God wants to draw you in closer he, he wants you to spiral up in your spiritual life and he wants you to be answers for the church here this church the answers are you. <laughs> the answers for the problems, the answers for the issues, the answers are within the room. The resources are within the house of God. So just, let's just raise our hands if you feel able to, to respond to God. We want to say, God, we are here for you. To you our hearts are open. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden, you are our one desire. You alone are holy, you alone are holy, only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down to you our hearts. To you our hearts are open, you think here is hidden, you are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy, God, let your fire fall down. God, we want our hearts open heart surrendered to you God we thank you for grace that means we are rich before we do anything we are rich before we get out of bed there is no obligation and grace is upon us I pray God for the development and the sanctification of Christian lives in our church I pray God for the impact locally on our areas for escapee slaves and for uh, all kinds of um, variety of human suffering God I pray this church here might continue to be an answer and to speak in a demonstration of you God and we pray that your glory God would come to the nations through the church here God like it did with that Antioch church and we pray God for you to continue doing a mighty work amongst your church